If you have your Bibles, I invite you to join me in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24. If you have your Westover app, join us there. We're going to do part two of the message we introduced this past weekend. We're in the series entitled 40 Days. We're looking at the 40-day period from the resurrection of Jesus to his ascension. Acts 1 and 3 says that, that Jesus showed himself by many convincing proofs. And we're looking at the conversations that Jesus had with persons and individuals during those 40 days and how they became convinced, persuaded of the resurrection. And we're talking about establishing our faith and us being convinced of what God is going to do in our lives. I started this message this weekend by pointing out that every one of us, God has a defining moment for you. God has a defining moment. Moses had about six defining moments in his life. Moments that were foundational, fundamental, changed his life, changed his direction, just remade him. We sickle along through life, we go through life in the routines, but God orders, God purposes these defining moments. They can dramatically change. Some of us are in a long time process and we're just struggling saying, God, it'll never change. All that has to happen is one of God's defining moments. These defining moments immediately send us in a new direction, immediately repurpose our life. Some of us, we're in confining circumstances. But in your confining circumstances, God has defining moments. In your confining circumstances, Look for God's defining moment. I, I remember before I went to Bible school, we were in the we were living in New Mexico. That's where Denise and I are from. And at that particular time, I was working in the mines underground. Yes, I, what, what what's it like to go down a, a about as far underground as the Tower of America is about seven hundred and twenty feet underground. I would go down this this elevator shaft. Walked two miles to my working place. I, I was a miner. I, I, I loaded holes and blasted dynamite. I, I worked in uranium mines. That's why you think I glow so much. It's really not from, from my personality. It's from working in the uranium mines. That's what I did. I, I, I worked in, in the mines in, in just darkness all the time. I had a light on my, on my uh, hard hat. And there were places that I worked. I remember one place. I worked six months and I never stood up straight. Six months in about a four and a half foot high working area that I worked in. And I'm telling you, you're carrying stuff and everything weighs 30, 40 pounds and you're hauling it back and forth, back and forth, working in a mud hole. There is nothing. You ever seen mud wrestling? That's, that's, that's what I worked in underground. I would come out, my face, you, couldn't even, you wouldn't even know who people were. We would just have these eyeballs and all this covering of mud, and it, it wasn't a beauty pack, okay? It wasn't for skin treatment. I mean, we were going through that. But in that, every time I got a paycheck, I deposited in the bank, and I kept saying, I'm one step closer to Bible college. I'm one step closer to Bible college. I did that for two years. And finally, when I had three years worth of tuition and books in the bank, I said, 
the verse, my verse that it describes me leaving the mines and going to Bible school is in the book of Psalms. When the David said, he brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. That's my verse right there. I got out of that and went to Bible school. But when you're in that, you're thinking, God, will I ever get out of this? God, will it ever come? And some of us were there. You're saying, will it ever happen? Can it ever be? In confining moments, all you need is one of God's defining moments that can change the trajectory of your life. And they frequently come through crises or challenge. Can I tell you, sometimes the best marriages are birthed out of breakdown moments. I tell couples all the time, when breakdown is happening, breakthrough is coming. When you think it's the worst, that's when God can step in and seems like God is able to reach deeper in our soul and our heart than any other time. When breakdown is happening, breakthroughs are coming because God is ordering defining moments. And I want to share with you a defining moment for two men in the Bible. After the resurrection of Jesus, it's in Luke chapter number 24. They're on the road to Emmaus. The Bible says these two men are walking down. One's name is Cleopas. The other is unnamed. We don't know. His name may have even been Jim. Okay, let's just call him Jim. Cleopas and Jim. They're walking down the road to Emmaus. Uh, they're, they're going. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. They don't even know it's Jesus. I mean, it's, it's evident from Scripture. They've been around Jesus. They've been hanging around with Jesus. But Jesus was crucified, put in a tomb, and they're disheartened. They're discouraged. So they're going to Emmaus. They think their hopes are shattered. They, they're, in a, they're in a confining moment. What do we do now? Everything we believe in, everything we've hoped for, everything, the bottom has fallen out. You ever felt like that? You have something in common with these two men right here. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and Jesus begins... Uh, to do something in their life. Let's begin reading at verse number 13. And we'll, we'll pick up from where we did this past weekend. It says now in verse number 13, now the same day. What's interesting about that? The day of the resurrection. Notice that. Now that same day. Early that morning, Jesus has, has arisen from the grave. Two men were going uh, to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things uh, with each other, Jesus came up and walked along, the, uh, along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. You know, sometimes Jesus can be so close to us and we not even see it. Sometimes God can be working in our lives, showing up, and we not even see it. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still with their faces downcast. That's the reason they couldn't recognize it, I believe. Because their faces were downcast. They were so heartbroken, so disenchanted, so discouraged over their circumstances. Some of us were there. Well, there's no use trying. There's no use doing. There's, you're, you're, you're giving up. You're resigning something. You're walking away from something. And God is trying to break in. God is trying to show up, but you can't even see it. And here it is, because they were downcast. And one of them, 
whose name was Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that had happened here in these days? Jesus said, Well, what things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, he replied, He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and other pe- and, and uh, God and all, of, and all the people. And then in verse number 20 through 24, he begins to tell Jesus what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was about. Isn't that interesting? Just, hey, uh, in case you don't know this guy, Jesus. So he begins to explain Jesus to Jesus. I find some humor in that. Then verse number 25, and he said to them, and this is Jesus, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. And there's where I want to take off. How slow you are to believe. And I want to talk about how to speed up our believing. How do you increase the speed of your believing? Are you a person that kind of always on the last end, you fi- it finally dawns on you, you finally get it? Are you the person that you, you get the joke slow? Are you the person that somebody has to explain the punchline four or five times? You say, oh, now I get it. And you're laughing three or four minutes later. Some of us are that way in life. We're always showing up late with God. God is doing and God is doing. And then finally, when, when, when it's just so obvious it's God, we show up and say, I guess it was the Lord. And here's what you say, now next time I'm going to trust God. But have you ever found out you do it the same way each time? So how do we increase the speed of our believing? I want to share them with you, five of them. They're found in the Westover app. The first two we talked about on Sunday, let me just touch base with them uh, very briefly. First one I mentioned was believe the entire Bible. If you want to increase the speed of your believing, believe the entire Bible. It says in verse number 27 that Jesus, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning him. Twice in verse 27 is the word all. With all the prophets... He explained to him from all the Scripture. The Scripture they had was the Old Testament. Let me reiterate. If people ever tell you, the Old Testament is not for us today. It's, you know, old school. It's not relevant. It's passe. It's not for today. Can I tell you, Jesus disagrees with them. Jesus did. He began with the prophets and the Old Testament, the Scripture. That's all they had. And began to describe to them and explain to them. I want to say all the Bible is relevant. Some people say the Old Testament is it really? It is for us. All Scripture, all was given to us by God to teach us. And if we're going to increase the speed of our believing, we need to accept all of the Bible. The Bible's not a menu. You can't go through it and say, I like this and I don't like it. It's not multiple choice. You can't just pick a few. God's Word is, is complete total. God has something for us. God is speaking to us and God is speaking to us in his word. In fact, let me just share with you in the month of May, Pastor Mark is beginning a class on how to read the Bible and understand the Bible. And if the class is entitled going deeper, it's going to be meeting twice each month on a Wednesday night starting May the 23rd, go on the Westover app, get the information, enroll in it. If you want to know more about the Bible, 
You want to know what God's Word says and how to read the Bible. I hear people say that all the time. I, I read the Bible and I don't get anything out of it. Can I tell you? I read the Bible and I get so much out of it. There's some tools we can teach you on how to make the Bible come alive. And the class is entitled Going Deeper. But you must believe the entire Bible. Number two, you must passionately desire God. Verse number 29. The Bible said the two men... The two men still don't know who Jesus is. They talked to them, talked to Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And the Bible says, verse 29, and they urged him strongly. A word used only twice in the New Testament, and one time it is here. Urged him strongly. Stay with us, for it is near evening. The day is almost over. So he went with him, them to stay. Can I tell you, anytime you urge God strongly, God hears your prayer. Here's what the scripture says. God will be found of us, Jeremiah chapter 29. God will be found of us if we seek him with all of our heart. The key there is all of our heart. If we seek God with all of our heart, we will be found. And I just want, I want to, I want to deputize this, this audience right here. I want to deputize. Would you join me? Would you join me in our services? Whether you come Saturday or whether you come 9 or 11 or you come just the wind, whatever service you come, would you come as we prayed in pre-service prayer? Would you join me in earnestly seeking the Lord? My heart is yearning. I am praying. I am fasting. God, give Westover a mighty, genuine revival move of the Holy Spirit that is so convincing of what God can do. Would you join me? How will we get there? By earnestly seeking the Lord. Can I invite you? Go with me after God. Earnestly seek the Lord. When you pull on Westover, would you quit talking about the pollen? Would you, would you change the conversation if the Spurs game is on and you're hoping that they're going to get in the series. Would you just turn that off? Would you, when you turn on Westover, turn everything off and just begin to say, God, before I get to church, prepare my heart to receive. God, I want something. God, let me be, let me be the thing that sparks and ignites something in the service this weekend or on a Wednesday service. Let's passionately go after God. Two things Satan will fight in your life. Young adults, can I, I promise you, there's two things Satan is going to fight. He wants to steal from you. He wants to steal your passion and your purpose. Your passion and your purpose. Your passion. He wants you to dial down to about a number two. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to be a, a sparkler. He doesn't want you to be a generator of life. He wants you to be a follower and not a leader. Because if he can get you a, to be a follower and not a leader, he can get you to become a non-follower. And, and he's going after your, your passion. Number two, he's going to go after your purpose. He's going, to, he's going to try to get young adults, you to make the most unwise choices in the most critical time of your life. If he can get you to make one wrong choice... He can give you a confining life. But God is saying, if you will just follow his purpose, that becomes your defining moment in life. And how do you do that? You passionately 
passionately go after God, if you're passionate after God, you, can, you will recognize when your passion is leaving and you can recognize when your purpose is under attack. But the enemy's going to fly under the radar and it's going to be those who, who have no or little passion for God that confusion and distraction and temptation will get to them. And every young adult in here, you know of a best friend that that's happened to. You know somebody who at one time served God, loved God, believed in God, and has nothing to do with God now. I will tell you, the enemy flew under the radar for them and robbed their passion or robbed their purpose, and now they're disconnected. He says, that's why you're slow to believe. How do you increase the speed of your believing? Be passionate for God. The same thing that brings God's presence sustains God's presence in our life. That's seeking Him. Seek God, you'll, you'll gain God's presence. Keep seeking Him, you sustain God's presence in your life. Number three, let's go on. How do we increase the speed of believing in our life? Let God take the lead in your life. Let God take the lead in your life. It's right in Scripture. Let's go on down. Luke chapter 24, verse 30 and 31. And it says that when Jesus, now he's, he, he's at their place. He's at their home, their, wherever they're staying. He was at the table with them. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized it was him, and he disappeared from their, heart, from their sight. Let God take the lead. Now, to understand this, you have to understand the culture of that day. They invited Jesus to have dinner with them. Well, Jesus, he just began to take the tortillas and said, Here, go, you take one, and you take one, and you take one. Oh, no, no, that's not how, that's against protocol. That's a, th that is so not what you do. It's a social taboo. In other words, it would, be like, it would be like somebody walking up to your house and knocking the door on the door and you say, come on in. They walk right in. They walk past your living room. They go into your kitchen. They open your refrigerator door right then and there. They get the eggs out. They say, oh, by the way, do you have any bacon or do you have any ham or do you have any, they, where's the toast and where's the toaster? And you're sitting there kind of chagrined. What are they doing? And they're starting to cook dinner right there. I'll tell you what, you're either leaving the house or you're going to call the police right then and there and say, what is going on? You don't do that. It, it, it's, you know, that little sign at the restaurant for employees only. It's like walking into a restaurant, walking in the door. Here are all the cooks behind the counter. You walk in and you just start getting things out of the freezer and you fry your own burger uh, at that restaurant yourself. You don't do that. That's against protocol. You don't do that. It's of that level in the social setting right here. You would never take the bread. Did you notice the phrase? He took the bread. That is a social taboo. You would never do that. That's, that's against protocol. He took it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. Then notice verse 31 what happened. 
then their eyes were open. When he took the bread, then their eyes were open. Notice that? Here's the point. Let God take the lead in your life. Let God take the lead. Some of us are saying, it's my career choice. Some of us are saying, it's my life. It's, it's my decision. No, God, I have this. No, God, this is mine. God, I've, God, I've already worked too hard. I've already determined. I've, I, I've, already taken, I've already taken 60 hours in this. I already know what I want to do. I know what my career path is. God, I know what I want in life. And if we're going to increase the speed of our believing, we need to let God take the lead in our life. Is there something that Jesus could take from you, as it were, the decision? Is there something, as it were, the bread he could take and you would normally do it? It would be normally something you take control over, you have the say-so over, you make the decision on. It's, it's a part of your routine. You have it figured out. You know what you're doing. Would you let God come in? Is there a relationship that God says, that's not the one I have, but God, I like. God, I'm already comfortable. God, I've already made this. We, we, we're, we're already putting a date on the calendar, and we're already doing it. And God is saying you're unequally yoked together. Is there a point that God needs to take the lead in your life? That God needs to step up and we're not letting him? Yes, that can happen to us. I've often said, I read the Bible. I go to prophecy, book of Revelation, book of Daniel. Here's what I say. God always has the last word. And many of you will agree with me. God's going to have the last word. But I'd like to add to that. He'd like to have the first word. God would like to have the first word. God would like to step in and have the first word in our life and not just have the leftover word in our life. God has something to say. God has something that he can do in your life. And when we begin to let God take the lead, it deals with rights and ownership. Rights and ownership. Well, I have the right to, and I'm the one in charge. I, 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 I'm the one, in, I, I'm, I'm in control of this. It's rights and ownership. Could you just say, God, this is, you, you have veto power? God, you have veto power. Would you allow God to close a door and believe that God even has a bigger door and a better door he could open? The Bible says, and then their eyes were open and they recognized him. If you want to see God in a new way, give God the lead in your life. Let God take the lead. Be willing to take a back seat. And let God take a front seat in your life. Number four, you have to internalize your faith. This is found in verse 32. Same story, same scenario. Here are the men. Jesus disappears from their sight. Verse 32, it says, They each ask each other, Were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? Were not our hearts burning within us and that's not from the jalapenos that they had okay can i tell you 
We're not our hearts burning. What is he talking about? You have to internalize your faith. You have to internalize it. It has to come to where it's a, it's a yes. But many of us, many of us, we do this. We say yes, but. Yes, but, Lord, I'm not sure. I'm not, may, maybe, God. We haven't internalized it. You see? Our mind is really made up in our soul. When you ever come to that point, my mind is made up, you made your mind up in your soul. The mind is not made up in the mind. The mind is made up in the soul. Your opinion is made in your mind, but your, your, your mind is made up in your soul. You come to a, a position. And sometimes we think we got it all figured out. Man, I've got it all figured out. Then God does something else. You know the, the Encyclopedia Britannica when it was in printed form? You know it went through 15 editions. And after every edition you thought, you know what? They, they can't learn anymore. They got it all right. And then there was another edition and another edition. Why? Because they realized there's something else to come and something they didn't know that they thought they knew. Could there be God has another edition in your life right now? Is there another addition to it that you don't see? If, you, if, 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 God, if God could just show it and you, could, you can internalize it. You see, there's, there's things I have a position in, and you're not going to convince me otherwise because I've internalized it. You know, for example, praying about decisions. I, I pray about, I, I mean, I pray about, are we going to buy a car? If we're going to buy a car, I pray about that. I don't go down shopping and then pray, oh, God, make this happen. When the guy goes back and he's talking to the manager, I'm not praying then, okay? I've already prayed. I wouldn't be there if I hadn't already prayed. Uh, there are some things we just ask God, Lord, you guide, and you internalize it. I'm not making the decision in the middle. I'm not debating it with God. Denise mentioned a while ago, we, we learned a long time ago. Guess what? Tithing. Tithing is not something we decide at paycheck time. We, we settled that a long time ago. It's not ours. We're not giving God something that's ours. We're giving to God something that's His. We've internalized that in our heart. We've settled that a long time ago. That means if an expense is this and it would ever go into the tithe, we're not meant to have it. I don't have to pray about it. I don't debate it. That's not a vacation we need to take. That's not something we need to buy. Why? We've internal- There's things we've internalized. When you internalize your relationship with God, Friday night you're not debating whether to go to the club or not. You've internalized God. You wouldn't go there. That's not something that you're a part of, so I won't go. You've internalized your faith. And the Bible says these men internalized their faith. They said, did not our hearts burn within us? Somebody that's internalized their faith can tell a story. Can tell a story. What I'm talking about. You can tell the story when God did for you. Not, not, not something you read on the internet. Not, not something you just read in the Bible. But you have your own story. Your own story of provision. 
your own story of blessing, your own story of guidance, your own story when God opened the door, your own story when you stood strong and and you thought it was going to cost you something and God turned the situation around. You have your own story. When you have your own story, you've internalized it. It's now who you are. It's a part of what God has assigned in you. And if we're going to speed up our believing, we must internalize our faith. And number five, you need to make a declaration of your faith. You need to make a declaration of your faith. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to make a declaration of your faith. And some of you, it's going to be, you know what? I'm going to have to let go of a friendship that's negative, that's that's toxic, that's 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 just not right. I know every time I every time I get connected to this situation, it just brings the worst out in me, and I make the worst decisions. I'm going to ask you to make a declaration of your faith and say, you know what? That's not a part of God's purpose in my life. For some of us, you're you're midway in your your career path. I'm, excuse me, your your degree. And you're right at that point. And could you just say, you know what? Before I finalize, I'm going to give God permission to change my major. I'm going to give God permission to give me new direction. I'm going to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak to my heart. Yes. Yes. I'm going to make a a declaration of my faith. For some of us, we're in and out. You believe in God? Yes. Our Our mind believes in God. Our lifestyle doesn't. Our mind believes in God, gives assent, but our lifestyle doesn't. And I'm going to ask you, let your your mind and your lifestyle come into agreement. Let it come together. Make a declaration of your faith. Make a declaration. Some of us were in pressure at work. And they told you, you can't be a believer and they've intimidated you, and you're just afraid. You're you're afraid to just be salt and light. I'm not I'm not talking about uh, preaching the gospel and standing on the desk, but I'm just talking about being a godly example. They've intimidated you, and you know, you know that you should be salt and light. You should be an influence at work. I'm going to ask you to make a declaration of your faith. I'm going to ask you to say, I'm "Not going to let that. I'm not going to be intimidated by that." anymore make a declaration of your faith it's found in verse 33 and 34 notice this here are the men cleopas and jim remember these are the two guys okay i want you to notice something in verse number 33 you can almost miss this you can almost miss this this was given to us by the holy spirit to speak to us they got up where from where they were eating remember they were eating Jesus disappears. They got up, notice the next word, and returned at once to Jerusalem. If they got up at once and returned to Jerusalem, where were they before? Not a trick question. They were at Jerusalem. What does this mean? That means that they were in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified. They were there. They heard the mob shout. They saw Jesus being led away by the Roman guards. 
No doubt they saw his bloody, battered body as he was walking the Via Della Rosa. Perhaps they were close by when he stumbled and he fell beneath the weight of the cross. Perhaps their eyes caught his eyes for just a moment. They were there. They were there in Jerusalem. But when they crucified Jesus and they put him in a tomb, they left. They left. Now this is the same day. The same day is what? The resurrection. That's Sunday. Jesus was crucified on Friday. They couldn't leave on Saturday because it was the Sabbath day. You could only travel about 350 yards from where you were at on the Sabbath day. So they couldn't leave. They wanted to leave Saturday. But they had to stay there because of the Sabbath. But early in the morning, seven miles from Jerusalem, they left resurrection morning. They left resurrection morning, if you please, Jerusalem, and they turned their back on Jesus, and they were walking away. Now, here's what I want you to know. While they were walking away, the Bible says, and Jesus came on alongside them. Remember that? We just read it. Here it is. You can run from God, but you can't outrun Him. You can run from God, but you can't outrun Him. Jesus resurrected that morning. The lady saw him at the tomb. But somewhere between speaking to the women and when he will meet with the disciples, Jesus knew there were two men downcast and discouraged. Felt like everything they dreamed from, the bottom fell out. And Jesus went after them and he caught up with them and he walked and talked with them on the road. He wouldn't let them go. And God's not going to let you go. God's not going to let you go. God's not going to let you fail. God's not going to let you go off the end. You can run from God. But God's going to catch up to you. You can't outrun God. They cannot run him. And they, they got up and returned. And then they went to Jerusalem. The eleven were there, assembled together. And what did they say to the eleven? It is true. There it is. You need to make a declaration of your faith. It is true. It is true. Some of, some of us, God's been searching for you. Some of you, God's been chasing after you. Some of us are in church tonight because we just went through the motion. You're not sure if this thing's real and you're not sure if you can follow through. Guess what? God's been looking for you. God's been chasing after you. He's still still hunting you down. He's not going to give up on your purpose. And God still wants to retrieve your, your passion for Him. And you know what these men did? Two men told the eleven, it is true. It is true. Made a declaration of their faith. It is true. So I'm going to invite you to stand together with me right now.
And we're going to go into a prayer moment. And as we go into this prayer moment, in what area, in what area can you, will you, do you need to make a declaration of your faith? You know, one way we make a declaration of our faith is water baptism. That's what water baptism is all about. It is a declaration. It's saying it is true. It is true. That's what church membership is. Church membership doesn't give you access to heaven. It's it's a person saying, it is true. I'm a part of the body of Christ. What, What would be, what would be a declaration of your faith? Would it be just when you go in the workplace tomorrow, you're not going to be intimidated? You don't have to be obnoxious, but you're not going to be intimidated. Is it, is it the fall classes or the summer classes to say, God, instead of me telling you what I'm going to do, God, I'm going to let you have say-so right now. Is it, is it a relationship that you've got, a, you've got some numbers in your phone? that you need to go through the menu and delete and delete because you know those relationships pull you down. Those relationships are toxic in your life. And when you hit that delete button, you're saying, it is true. That's what it is. It is true, God. Is it, is it opening the Word and saying, God, I've wrestled with this. I don't, I don't like it but because it, it disagrees with my lifestyle. I don't like it because it it disagrees with, it's saying something's wrong that I like to do. But it's in your word. But because it's in your word, I'm going to align to what your word says because it is true. What is that that decision that you need to make? I'm going to invite you to do it now. To make an it is true decision. It is true. Don't walk away from the marriage. Get in counseling. Say, it is true. God can heal. It is true. Pray with me now. Would you join me? Father, across this auditorium right now, I pray. I pray, God, that that hearts would be saying, it is true, making an affirmation of their faith. Making the quality decision to say, God, I'm going to step out of a confining circumstance And I'm going to embrace a defining moment with God. I'm going to let God lead the way. I'm going to let God's Word lead the way. I'm going to increase the speed of my believing, not negotiating, not bargaining with God, not arguing with God. I'm going to agree with God right now. I'm going to let go of something. I'm going to give God the right of way in an area. I'm going to let God speak. God, I'm not going to push back anymore. I'm going to follow through with what you've already spoken to me. I'm going to say, God, your word is true. It is true Christ is in my life. Therefore, I make this decision. I pray that, God. I pray that for young adults. I pray that, God, in the name of Jesus, they'll have an it is true moment. And for the one, Lord... They're like the men on the road to Emmaus. They were walking away from God. They turned their back on God. But they felt like God arrested them, felt like God caught up with them. And God began to speak to them.
I pray, Lord, for that person tonight. Turn them back to you. Your head's bowed just across the room. If that's you, you know you need to reconnect to God. Maybe you've been running from God. You, something happened you don't understand or don't agree with. Or maybe a lot, a, lot of, a lot of stuff has just happened. And you've, you've just kind of had a you kind of had a divided soul. But you feel like you're that guy on the road to Emmaus. You were, walk, you were journeying away from God. But God's awakened something. God's spoken something to you. And you're saying, tonight I'm going to return to the Lord. I'm going to return wholeheartedly. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Right? Just, yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, yes. God bless you. God bless you. I say to you again, you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. These guys were going back to Emmaus, and Jesus caught up, and it's an encouragement to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, for those that just raised their hand, there's a commitment moment right now. Whatever, God, whatever it was, the enemy, whatever lie, whatever circumstance Satan was using to distract and discourage we settle it with you now, God. We're going to believe you. We're going to embrace you. We're going we're to stand with you. And there's commitments that are being made right now to say, God, I'm turning back to you. I'm coming back to you. God, in the name of Jesus, grant it. God, in the name of Jesus, grant it. Let them sense, God, your faithfulness, your your, your steadfastness, your long-suffering, you never gave up on them. God, let them sense that. Encourage their spirits. God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you for being with us tonight. God bless you. Go in the love of the Lord.